Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to The Jar. My name is Chris, and we're so glad you chose to hang out with us today. And uh, just as Emily said, we do want to thank uh, all of our uh, dads, and we want to celebrate them today. Uh, yesterday, we actually kicked off our Father's Day weekend by having our first Jar Car Show. And uh, we had over 400 people that actually walked through and saw all these really cool cars. And uh, if you helped volunteer in any way whatsoever, if you could just stand up in the balcony down here, if you could just stand, we'd like to recognize you. And uh, let's give all those people a hand. And you can be seated. And I'd like to uh, specifically uh, give some thanks to three guys uh, who spearheaded. They had the idea, uh, Chuck Stoneburner and Joe Walker and Jamie Limna did an awesome job. And uh, we are so grateful uh, for them and their uh, impact that they made. Now, we do want to honor all of our dads today on Father's Day. So if you are a dad, a granddad, a great-granddad, if you are an adoptive dad, a stepdad, a foster dad, whatever other dad you might be, uh, if you are a dad in any way, in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand. And uh, when these guys stand up, I'd like everyone else to give a big hand for them to let them know how much we appreciate them and uh, how much we love them. So uh, all the dads, if you could stand real quick uh, and uh, let's hear it for the dads. Yeah, here for the dads. Okay, you may be seated. Some of the dads are like, hey, I'm here. Uh, Go ahead. Well, I read an article uh, this week called My Pops Tops. And what it basically was, was kids wrote into a newspaper about why they thought their dad was a pop top. And I'd like to just read a couple of these responses from kids. One kid wrote in and he said this, my dad is willing to help with the housework, although he complains a little, quite a bit, really. In fact, he hollers, actually, my dad don't do no housework. Here's another kid that wrote in. My pop stops. One time, my pop took me to Fence Lake. He threw me in to see if I could swim. I couldn't. So my pop saved my life. Next one. My pop stops. I have five brothers and sisters. My pop knows where to get babies cheap. My pop stops. My pop is a, is a farmer. He smells like a cow. And whenever I go home and I smell a cow, I know my pop is home. Well, uh, dads, you are a top pop to someone. And we are so grateful for each of you and uh, thankful for all of those on the stream as well. And for those here in the auditorium, when you leave today, uh, we have a grill tool uh, for each one of you. Guys always need a grill tool. And so when you leave, all men uh, that are here, uh, whether you're a dad or not, all the men when you leave today, uh, we have this. And let's uh, give a hand again for all of our dads. (laughs) 
Uh, well, I want to tell a story about my dad this morning. I'm a PK, a preacher's kid, and I'll never forget the Sunday in which my dad uh, got his Bible out and he said, I'd like all of you to turn to Hezekiah chapter 14. And everyone opened up their Bible and they started looking for Hezekiah 14. And I'm watching the people as a young kid and they couldn't find it. And they're looking more and more and more and frantically they're like looking and finally people are like looking at the table of contents and they can't find Hezekiah 14. And do you know why they couldn't find Hezekiah 14? It doesn't exist. There is no book of the Bible called Hezekiah. Have you ever had trouble finding a book of the Bible before? Come on, be honest people. Yeah. And uh, today, I want to see your Bible knowledge, okay? Everyone on the stream, it's not fun if you don't participate too, uh, and we'd like you to do so. How many of you know the book of Haggai is a book in the Bible? Raise your hand if you know it, okay? Put your hand down. Those of you that say, no, that's not a book of the Bible, go ahead, raise your hand. Okay, that wasn't every hand. That shows me that most of you don't have a clue. How many of you did not raise your hand? Raise your hand. Yeah, there we go. That's like everybody. Well, I'm going to help you find Haggai real easy. It's just before um, Zephaniah and right after Zechariah. Okay, is that our, that help? Yeah, not at all, right? Well, today we're beginning a three-week series on the book of Haggai, who was a minor prophet. I'd encourage you to read it this week. There's only two chapters to it. And I wanted to start, though, this morning by acknowledging that there are some seasons in our lives, some moments in our lives, in which things are kind of unsettled. They are Just a a little sinking feeling that happens to each one of us. And this is the kind of thing that goes through our minds. You know, I thought by this time in my life, I would have had something a little more. Or I thought life would be a little different. Or I thought my life would be better. And all of us have had a season like this where we wondered if things couldn't be different in our lives. We thought that maybe in our workplace that things would be different than what they are right now. Maybe for other people it's in their family or with a relationship. If you're a student in high school or middle school, you know, I thought I'd have a different group of friends or more friends. If you're in college that, you know, maybe in some way I would have been able to connect Uh, with people a little bit better. But whoever you are, there are seasons in our lives when things are just a little unsettled and that we think we should have been somewhere that we're not. And this is exactly the mood that we find in Haggai as he comes onto the scene. Now, before we jump into the story, what I want to do is kind of give you a little bit of a backstory to it, kind of the background. And what I need you to do over these next five moments is to stay focused. So those of you that are on the stream, just type that in, stay focused. For those of you here in the auditorium, look to the person beside you right now and just tell them, stay focused. Go ahead, tell them. 
Now, uh, King Solomon is where we're going to begin. And King Solomon was David's son, and David was a man after God's own heart. And Solomon became the wisest man ever uh, within the Old Testament times. And he was given the assignment to build the temple, the first temple for God. And it was magnificent. It was amazing. It was just out of this world. And people from all over the world would actually come and would witness this and they would worship God. And it was just an amazing, amazing construction. But after King Solomon died, the people's hearts turned away from God. And they began to kind of walk away from him. And just like you and I, they got distracted. They got distracted and they started worshiping other idols and not God. And in the midst of all of this that was going on, God says that that's what you want to do because he's a loving God and he gives us free will to do what we want. He says, I'll let you do whatever you want. But he orchestrated some events. He allowed them to happen. He didn't step in. He allowed them to take place so that the people's hearts would come back to him one day. And here's some of the background, and here's your first fill-in for those of you on the stream and those of us in the auditorium. Either write it in or on your app. In 587 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar and his army crushed the southern kingdom, and when they did so, they destroyed this temple. The temple that Solomon built, they utterly destroyed. But it wasn't just brick and mortar that they destroyed. It was the identity of the Jewish people they destroyed. And they were completely devastated. Kind of the next background that you can fill in uh, in your outline is this. After the temple was destroyed, the Jews were taken into captivity for 50 years. Actually, 20 years before that, they were captive, but the temple still stood. But then the temple destroyed, and for 50 more years, they were held captives. Now, when we read this in the Bible, many times they're like, okay, what's that? That's not a big deal. They were in captivity. Well, I want to give you a modern-day version of what that would look like so that you understand what the individuals are feeling during this time. And this is what it is. Imagine... Some enemy nation develops a massive nuclear power and they say to us, we're going to take out five major cities in the U.S. and we're going to take out 10 cities of your allies if you do not surrender to us. If your government doesn't surrender to us, that's what we're going to do. And let's say that the president and the cabinet, they come together and they're like, you know what, uh, we really can't retaliate. Because if we do, there'll be this massive global nuclear war and we're going to die. And so the only thing left that we can do is we're going to surrender. And all of the government leaders, they go ahead and they step down and we lose our citizenship. We're no longer citizens of our country. We are captives of someone else. And we can't worship the way that we want to worship. We can't go and do what we want to do. And we are held in bondage for 50 years. 50 years. And for those of you that are 50 or under, you hear, you live your whole life that way. All of your kids do. Everyone lives 
in captive. And it doesn't end. It's the worst nightmare you can ever imagine that your citizenship, your government is taken away. Now, just imagine that 50 years later, all of a sudden, they decide that in 538 BC, about 50,000 people are allowed to travel back to Jerusalem. And think of the excitement and the joy that everyone would have as they went back to rebuild the temple. I mean, five decades, you are a captive, but now you get to go home and you get to rebuild God's house. And we get to have our place again. And you could only imagine the relief and the excitement that everyone would have that we get to go back to our homeland once again. And the Jewish people went back and they started to rebuild the temple. But then a group of people called the Samaritans opposed their work. And once they started getting some opposition, they said to themselves, well, this is really hard. This is difficult. This is a challenge. Um, We must not do this right now. The time isn't now. The time is not now for us to actually do this. And so the people stopped building the temple for 14 years. For 14 years, they don't do anything to the temple at all, but they do something else. Anyone want to take a guess what they do? They build their own houses. They all go ahead and they build their own houses and they're really, really nice high-end houses and they enjoy that, but they do nothing to the temple. So What God did in the midst of this is he raised Haggai as the prophet to come in to remind the people the reason they were released was to rebuild his house. Okay, that's all of the background. Does that sound okay? Does that sound, do you get that? Do you get that? Everybody get that? If you don't get it, it doesn't matter. We're moving on. It's Father's Day, okay? Get dads want to go. So if it doesn't make sense, we're moving on anyways. All right. Now, in Haggai chapter 1, verse 2, Haggai says this. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people, everybody say these people. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Now, I find this extremely humorous because if you look at the Old Testament, whenever God talks about his people... He generally says, my people, my people. But in this instance, he actually says, these people, these people. It kind of reminds me when I come home and my two teenage daughters have given some lip to my wife. And they kind of have an attitude and I walk into the house and the first thing she says, you will not believe what your teenage daughters, these daughters of yours... Your daughters, what your daughters said to me. And in those times, I often think to myself, why is she saying your daughters? Like she was there when we conceived them. You know, it actually was kind of fun. You know, like, like, babe, we were there. And she's like, no, 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 no. They are your daughters. They're your, no, no, no. They're our daughters. No, 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 no. They're your daughters. And this is exactly what was happening in the scripture as 
God was saying, these are your people. These people. They're, they're not my people. They're these people. And he said, they're telling me that the time is not now. The time is not now. Now, why do you think the time wasn't now? They thought the time wasn't now because they had experienced some opposition. Remember, the Samaritans came in and they opposed them doing this. And you know, so often when you and I receive some opposition, we think that that's not God's will. Because it's hard. It's challenging. If it's God's will, it should be just very, very easy. But what we need to understand is that the closer that you get to doing something for the heart of God, that more often than not, you are going to experience some opposition. Spiritual opposition. Opposition from other people. There will be a time where you face the opposition. A lot of times, it's actually a sign, folks, that you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. When you're experiencing opposition. And this is the thing though. If you're doing what God wants you to do. Satan hates it. He is the opposer of all things. He does not want you to do. What the father wants you to do. And yet many times. We even get it. We're like oh man this is so hard. This is so difficult. This is so challenging. But this is right. Like, this is the right thing to do, but it's so, so hard. And I want to give you our big idea this morning uh, for you to remember after this, when hard things come, and it's this, that with God's help, we are going to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. Fill it in. We're going to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. Just tell yourself over and over again, when opposition comes, God, I'm going to choose the hard right thing to do. Over the easy wrong. For example, it's so easy that when someone hurts your feelings or they offend you, for you to hold a grudge, for you to get mad, to get angry, to hold it against them, that's the easy thing to do. The hard thing to do is to forgive the person. The right hard thing to do is to forgive whoever that person is. The easy thing to do in your life and my life is just to spend money whenever we want. Spend it, whatever it is, we get in debt. The hard thing is to actually live within your means and to do the hard right thing. It's easy to spend. It's hard, but it's right for us to climb out of debt. It's so easy for us to give up. To give in to opposition, whatever it is that's happening in our life. The hard right thing is for us to say, no, 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 no. I'm going to do what is right over and over again. Well, this is what Haggai does. He challenges the people to do the hard right over the easy wrong. And essentially what he says is, the time is now. So for... The rest of our teaching, I want you to have this question in your head. And here's the question. Is there some unfinished assignment in your life? Is there some unfinished assignment in your life? Is there something that God has been asking you to do and you just haven't done it? Let me talk to the dads just for a second. 
Maybe God asked you to do something a day ago, a month ago, a year ago, and you've just been putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Maybe for some of you, God has been challenging you to read your Bible and you felt that a long time ago and you're like, I'm going to do it each day. And then you did it for like five days and then you stopped. And yet he's like, no, 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 that's what I ask you to do. Maybe for others of you, God's been asking you to reach out to someone, someone who is hurting right now that you could actually be light to, that you could maybe invite them to church. And maybe that's what God has asked you to do, but you've held it off. Maybe uh, for some of you, you actually um, have felt like, you know what, I should serve on Sunday morning. I see other people serving, doing things in church, but, but I'm not doing that. And maybe that's your thing. Maybe for others of you, you need to get in a small group. You felt like God said a long time ago, you should get in a group and be a part of community, and you've just kind of pushed it off. I was talking to a couple people yesterday at the car show and they came up and they said, you know what, we need to get back into church. We just have gotten out of the habit and we felt that at the end of COVID, but it's been two years and that's been their thing. Maybe for some of you, God's been asking you to actually do a ministry and you've just kind of taken the easy way out. So for the rest of our teaching, I hope that the Holy Spirit would convict some of you of whatever, maybe that uh, unkind of finished assignment is that you have, that he would stir that once again within you. So as God spoke to the people in the time of Haggai, what he was saying is like, what I've told you to do, the time is now, folks, the time is now. So verse three goes on to say this, then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses? Now, what is a paneled house? Well, I looked at some commentaries and panel house were high-end houses. It was like granite, you know, countertops and crown molding and entertainment centers. Like these were nice, nice houses. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Now, God is not against us having nice things. He just doesn't want us to put our nice things above him. God is not opposed to us having nice things. He's not against us having nice things. He just doesn't want our nice things to have us. He wants to have us. So this is what is happening in Haggai's uh, day. They were putting God on the back burner and they were more concerned about their house instead of God's house. So what about you? What is it that you are putting above God? What is the comfort in your life, that unfinished thing that would be hard to do, but that you have been putting it off? Now, on Father's Day, let me give you a dad example from my own life. Uh, When our girls were toddlers, uh, when I would get home, I did not have a very good attitude. I would walk into 
the house, and especially if they were whining or complaining, I would like yell at them. I would ignore them. I'd be a jerk to, to Jen and my kids. I'm not proud of it, but, but that's the way it was. And I got convicted by God one day in my prayer time that uh, through another person that gave me this example, they said that when you are driving home, Chris, you should put everything else out of your mind and you should pray from the time you leave your office there that you would affect your first ministry. That's what the person said. Your first ministry, Chris, is to your family. So I'm sorry for those of you here at church, but you're not number one. My family's number one. Well, God's number one. My family's number two. And y'all are number three. Okay? But that's just the way it is. And so that's what I was choosing. Uh, that, that was the call or the, the, the kind of conviction that I had. And this is the thing, folks. I knew it was the right thing to do. I knew it was the right thing to do. I just didn't want to do it. And the reason I didn't want to do it is because I got into a habit that I would make phone calls and at stoplights I would do texts to get everything done so that when I got home, it was my time. And that's the way that it was. So let me ask you this morning. Some of you right now know something that you're supposed to do And God called you to do it, but you're taking the easy way out. And God is saying today, hey, choose the right thing. The time is now. Well, the scripture goes on in Haggai as it continues as God gives these haunting words in verse 6. You planted much, but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put clothes on, but you are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Now, wow, those are some powerful words. And the reason is because some of you can actually relate to this. Some of you can relate to this very thing. You're working your tail off. You're putting in time after time after time. You're putting in overtime. And it's like, I'm not seeing any results. Nothing seems to be getting better. For others of you, maybe you're at the best place that you've ever been in your life. And yet there is a void. There is an emptiness. There's something that is not filling you up. Or maybe, just maybe... Today, some of you, what you could do is actually give careful thought to what it is that you are not coming through in or with, and you would do it. Because the truth is, if we were really honest, just like I had to be honest in that time, that I was putting my house above God's house. What is your unfinished business? Well, verse 7 and 8 goes on to show how loving and kind and gracious God is. Even though the people who were building the temple were kind of like, you know what, it's so difficult, it's so hard, it's so challenging. I'm just not sure we can do this. Wine, 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 wine. 
God is loving and kind and patient, and this is what happens. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. That's the second time that we've read that. Give careful thought to your ways. And then he breaks it down with three simple steps to build the temple. He says, go up into the mountains and bring down the timber and build my house so that I might take pleasure in it and be honored. Now, it's Father's Day. Some of you have had a long weekend. You probably didn't catch the three steps. So let me give you the three steps. He said, go up to the mountain, bring down the timber, and build my house. Now, some of you still might not get it. So let me tell it a third time. You go up to the mountain, and you what? Bring down the timber, and you build my house. God is like, hey, I'm going to give you a very, very simple three-step process. Go up to the mountain. Bring down the timber. Build my house. But the people were like, but it's so hard. Have you seen how high that mountain is? Like that mountain is really, really high people. I don't think I can do it. It's so hard. And God is like, you choose the hard right over the easy wrong. You choose the hard right over the easy wrong. And it's really easy. Easiest steps, one, two, and three. Now, here's the problem for so many of us, including myself. Many times what we want is more details than one, two, or three. What we want is four, five, and six, isn't it? Like, we don't want the first three things. We want four, five, and six. Tell me how much is going to cost me. How much time is it going to take? How much time is it going to take away from the bachelorette or bachelor? Like, I mean, the important things in life. And uh, do I get a little plaque at the end of the day in the temple that I helped with this thing? Like, this is what I want to know. So why don't you tell me what steps four, five, and six are? And folks, this is what I need you to understand. Many times, God will not give you steps four, five, and six unless you take steps one, two, and three. Many times in your life, you never get to where you want to be because you're wanting something four, five, and six when he wants to give you one, two, and three, and you choose not to do that. Well, several months after uh, not praying in the car on my way home, I got convicted that I really needed to do this. And so I stopped doing texts, I stopped doing uh, phone calls, and I would just pray for my family and my attitude when I would get home. Now, this was the problem. That was step number one. The problem was when I got out of the car and walked into the garage, I stopped praying. And many times I'd walk in and I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I thought I was doing this. So I had to make a huge change. This was the change. And if you go to my house, you'll see it today. I have a sign on the door that leads into our house that says, kneel and pray, best man, best husband, best father. And what I had to do was I had to remind myself that each time that I walked in there, that's what I wanted to be. 
And my attitude over the last few years is totally different. Jennifer will tell you, it's totally different since this has happened. Now, it doesn't mean that I do it perfectly. There are still sometimes that she says, here are your children. And then I yell at those children. But most of the time, my attitude has changed because I've chosen to do a hard right instead of an easy wrong. So, what about you? What about you? What is the unfinished business that God is asking you to do? What is the step that you need to take? Maybe for some of you, you are waiting because you want to know steps four, five, and six. And the reality is God's just like, hey, I just want you to take a first step. For some of you, maybe it's like, I want to lose weight. I felt like that a long time ago. I wanted to lose weight. And you're, you put it off because you're like, well, I don't have this and this and this. Let me tell you some easy steps you can do. Take the elevator. No, no, no. Take the stairs instead of the elevator. Tomorrow, when you wake up, I'm going to walk for 10 minutes. Tomorrow, when you see that bag of Doritos, don't eat the whole bag, just one handful. That's all you got to do. Just one handful. And you can do that. For others, I want to get out of debt, but I don't know how to do it. Well, an easy thing to do first, spend less than you make. But you don't understand, Chris, I'm in so much debt. Spend less than you make. And take your first credit card, the one that has the lowest balance on it. Pay that sucker off, get some encouragement, and then go after whatever it is next. Well, my marriage, Chris, you just don't understand. It was all I could do to even come to church with them today. It was just so difficult. Well, what do I do? Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Apologize for what you've done wrong. Start doing what you did when you first got the person. Date them. Invite them on a date this week. Step by step, step by step, step by step. Go up to the mountain, bring down the timber, and build my house. Go up to the mountain, bring down the timber, and build my house. Now, today is Father's Day, and so some of you dads might be like, well, I want to be a better dad. That's my thing. I feel like God was calling me that. What could you do? Step one, if you have young kids, you know something you could do very easily this week? Take them on a bike ride two times this week. Instead of sitting on the couch, instead of watching golf or something else, go out and be with them. Like, that's all you got to do. Maybe for some of you, the best way that you could be the better dad is you actually show love to your wife. That you make a commitment to say, I'm going to show love to them in a specific way. I want the kids to see that. Maybe for some of you dads, those of you that are even here today, the thing you could do most of all, make it right with your own dad. You've had an issue with your dad that you've been carrying on for years and years and years. The time is now. Make it right now. Folks, I don't know what your unfinished assignment is. I can only speak to what mine are. But instead of going to four, five, and six, just start with an easy one, two, three step. Well, Chris, how do I do it? How do I get started? Well, it's very simple. This is your take-home challenge for you to live out this week, and it's this. The way you get started is you quit talking and you start doing. 
You actually quit talking about it and you just say, yep, I'm actually going to start doing it. That's it. You quit thinking, you quit kind of talking about it, and you start doing it. What is that unfinished assignment that God has asked you to do that you need to take step one to do it, and you can do it today? Why? Because the time is now. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for being such a good and kind and patient Father to us. We thank you for your presence. And we ask that you would help us, God, to be different. I want to ask you right now, is there an unfinished assignment in your life? You know what it is. You felt convicted through this time. There's somebody that you need to reach out to. There's something you need to do. There's someone you need to make things right with. What is that unfinished assignment? And if you're like, Chris, I know what it is, but it's hard. It's so hard. I get it. I really do. And I need courage. I need help. God wants to do that. He wants to help you. So right now, if there's something in your life that's unfinished, but you want to make it right today, and you're not sure, I invite you to do something kind of risky, and that is to to just raise your hand to say, yeah, that's me, that's me, and let me pray for you. Let's pray. God, I pray right now that you would be with each person with a raised hand. Help them, God, to choose to do the hard right over the easy wrong. Give them courage to take a first step and to trust that you will provide. Help them not to worry, God, about steps four, five, and six, but simply to take a first step today. And know, God, that you will walk with them every step if they choose to turn to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can put your hand down. Now, some of you, the time is now. The time is now for you to make a commitment to Christ. That's your thing that you've been putting off, or maybe you've kind of drifted away, and today's your day to recommit to Christ. And so, if the time is now and today's the day, because there's been a void, there's been something missing in your life, and you're ready to do it today, God is like, I'm here. Today's Father's Day. I'm the ultimate Father who loves you, cares for you, who's present with you. If you'll turn to me, I'll do that. And he loved you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to go to a cross to die upon it so that you would have all sins, everything from your past taken care of. And three days later, he rose again so that you would have hope and life in this world and in the world to come. And so today, if you're ready to say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I need your love. I need your grace. I need a second chance. I need the hope of heaven. Then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And it's not one that you pray by yourself, but it's one that we pray together. And I invite you, if you feel comfortable, just to bow your head and to repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I give my life to you. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. 
Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.